Funkins. Welcome to After the Night. I'm your host, as always, Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Jonathan Hardesty. Whoa. Emily Blake. Yep. And Samantha Garrison. Hey. I went for a nice, mellow opening today. Very NPR. Yeah, when I go way too fast, I fuck it all up. But then it's funnier. That's true. I used, to, I used to just constantly burst into hysterics in introduction and be unable to get anything out. And as, now... I, as I've been editing them, I'm like, these aren't funny. They're just annoying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. Well, they're funny to us, yes. I guess? Okay. Um, the, the troll in me does appreciate that. That yeah. aggressive, like, you, you, you got to be in for this. Yeah. So maybe we'll try it again next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll do every other one. So every now and then people are like, oh, this is the show I'm listening to. <laughs> 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 uh, it's hard to search for on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. How do you... Where's... <laughs> Granted, you would have already found us. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Whatever. Special guest this week, we have Mr. Eric Stoltz back. Hi, please just call me Sir Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Mr. Eric Stoltz is my father's name. <laughs> also, that's not accurate, but thank you. Happy to be back. Very happy to be back. I was going to say. Uh, this is my first time being here since Chewy went full uh, mom and is just like taking care of the, taking care of the wee one. I miss her here. Yeah, well, she'll be on the next episode. She'll be on oh. next week when you're not here. Oh, well. She planned that. So yeah. I take it personally then. <laughs> yeah. Good. She's the Definitely one who reached out to you. She was like, hey, Eric, do you want to be on again? <sighs> as long as I know where I stand. Yeah. <laughs> she reached I, out and then I, she's like, if he's going to be there, I'm not. Okay, good. <laughs> I just want to know where I land on the on the spectrum of chewy uh, likes and dislikes. She enjoys I... you on the episode, but not your company. <laughs> <laughs> That's valid. Look, I, I buy that. The distance that audio provides is perfect. Yeah, yeah totally. Perfect. Yeah. The smell in the studio is appalling. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of, we're in a new studio. Yeah, we are yeah, in a new studio. Wow. That's where exactly where I was going to go. So there's a, there's some newness in the sound, maybe. Uh, it might be a little echoey as we're working it out. It might get more echoey. It, it might get more echoey as we go on. I'm not going to explain that, but it might. Um, and you might also hear a plane or two fly over because we are near an airport. And I was going to try to edit around them, and then I'm like, nah, just put up a disclaimer. It'll be fine. It's the new welcome to oh, the, 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 the podcast. Yeah, it's everyone the news. <laughs> when Comedy Bang Bang was first taking off, uh, their studio was right next to an airport. It was like around here, and they would take plane breaks every time they heard a plane where they would just like stop everything and play like... Uh, uh, Led Zeppelin or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just let the plane roll. I think yeah. this is more fun. Well, yeah. yeah. For mine, I, I realized that uh, I have a finch, and I'm so used to his noise that I've never, I've never noticed him. And then I was listening at work, and I was like, "Oh, Tony's here!" And I was like, "Oh shit!" I've been recording with Tony in the background. <laughs> Does anyone else hear that bird? <laughs> I honestly don't think I've, I've noticed yet. Now I have to keep an ear out for it. Because I, I, I've been talking about like doing a podcast revolving around dogs, and uh, and I was just wondering what to do. You know, if my dog starts barking, and I thought, well, the podcast is about dogs. I should just let it roll. Just yeah. let him yell. That works. He's my co-host. Yeah, totally works. Give yeah. him his own microphone. Lottie and the cats have their don't own go room, crazy. But the bird knows. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't need one. Just a USB mic. That's okay. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, let's do a quick. Where have you been doing? Um, I will go first. Yes, I was. Bummer. Well, I was debating on like four or five different things that I wanted to say, but oh. I'm going to go with the new Halloween movie. Uh, I saw it, and it's – Sam disagrees with me, but I think it's really, really good. Um, I think it has a really good sense of humor to it, and I think that the idea of doing generational horror is not something that I have seen really done before and especially done this well. As a slasher, it's okay. Like It, it hits the right points. It does what it's supposed to do, but it's really – the humor and like the idea of like this is how it affects both the person who was attacked, their children and their grandchildren. I think is a very interesting story to attempt to take, uh, take on, and I think they did a really good job with it. Samantha, why didn't you like it as much? 
I only watched the first Halloween a week before I saw it, oh, okay. and I thought it was dope, but I thought that Lori was really cool and smart, and then I went and saw this new one, and she was not as smart, and it made me really sad. She's kind of a basket case in the new one. Sure, but being I mean, a, she's right, but she's Being also, a basket yeah. case doesn't make you stupid. I think that... <laughs> Sorry, one of the foam things. <laughs> that that for me was like the the frustrating part is like experiencing trauma or like mental illness induced by trauma doesn't make you stupid. It doesn't take away who you are, and it just really kind of bummed me out because I think there was a cooler movie to be made where Lori was like smart and cunning and maybe becoming a little Michael Myersy herself. Yeah, which is kind of that. where they they flirted with it, but yeah. they didn't go there. And I think that they. Mm, I just wanted more from it. I don't disagree yeah. with anything yeah. you said. The generational thing was cool and interesting, but this is also like I'm not familiar with the genre or anything. It was mm. just... <laughs> the force of your opinions yeah. is tearing the foam down. I'm sorry. <laughs> we no, need, we need a sound effect counter every Brian's time one just like, down. Damn it, just Samantha's slide ruining whistle. my podcast. <laughs> there you go. But to your point, not to spoil anything, I, I really dig the movie too, but I, th- I think you're talking about moments that I'm thinking of where even though she's been preparing for this moment her entire life where Michael Myers comes out, she can't help but fall into the classic like, you've got to do a dumb thing for somebody to get you moments. And yeah. there's like, there's yeah. a couple of parts where she like, again, not to spoil anything, but there's a part where she like does the worst possible thing inside of her like impenetrable fortress of booby traps. And everybody in the theater was just kind of like, no, don't. Oh, don't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, obviously. It's tough when you create a villain who's not that smart. He's just resilient. Yeah, he's, he's a Terminator. Superpower. So, you know, you can't, outsmarting him's not that hard. Yeah. So you have to kind of do something dumb in order for him to get you. For there to be a yeah, threat. But, yeah. but with how smart the movie's trying to be, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, I'm willing to give it to him. Like, I'll give him the rope, but I understand the complaint. But, yeah, yeah I thought it, I thought it was good, and I, I would recommend it if you like the genre. If you don't, this isn't going to be one that I think will, like, win you over to it, like a lot of people are saying. And it's, yeah. I, I think it's it's a pretty standard slasher that does things better than I thought it would. Pretty satisfying. Yeah. Uh, that's it for me, though. Uh, John, what about you? So, uh, I watched The Good Place on Netflix all two seasons. Perfect. Yeah. And, because uh, you guys had talked about it on the podcast before, so I was, yep. cu- was kind of curious, and... Uh, Basically, everything you said about it was my, my reaction to it as well. Yeah. I, First season drags a little bit, but once yeah. you figure out where it's going, it's fantastic from there on out. And I like the conceit of what they're doing by like not just sticking into the formula for too long. Yeah. Like, they seem to be like, okay, we've, we've played this out. Move on. Let's uh, extract, let, let's uh, evolve this. And I was like, comedies don't really do that. So I really liked that yeah, they Yeah, and they, they've even to the point where they have abandoned their previous set. They yeah. had a yeah. huge set on the Universal lot, and now it's like, done, we're done, we're moving mm-hmm. on. And I thought that was amazing. I was like, You're, wait, we're never going back here? Wow, that yeah. like that isn't done. It bums me out though, because I really love driving was... through the set on the <laughs> backlot tour. Yogurt, yogurt, yogurt. But, <laughs> now I forget because I don't like just continue to listen to our past episodes over and over again. There was one moment that I burst out laughing at. It was the Derek stuff. Oh, yeah. great. Oh, Jason Manzoukas. <laughs> yeah. You cannot be Jason Manzoukas in anything. <laughs> and when Mindy St. Huh, Clair I'm goes, Derek. I can I'm work Derek. with that. <laughs> Yeah, so like it basically tracks everything you said. The first season drags a little bit. The second season really comes to to its own, but uh, it just abruptly ends. I, I I found myself being like, wait, that's it? After yeah. they brought the new conceit in. Well, luckily there's season three. And yeah. Season three's going great. Yeah, yeah so far so great. Good, good, good. Just yeah. watched the most recent episode last night, and it's it just keeps you guessing. Sam, what about you? Um, two things, if okay. if I may. 
Um, mm. One of them is a little shameless because I saw the Grinch at the cast and crew <laughs> screening last week and it was awesome. And wow. everyone should go see it and help me get my bonus. And then, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Like, see it. It's good. The other thing that, like, sincerely I want to talk about is that I finished The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix this week. And it was pretty good. It filled the vampire diary shaped hole in my heart. And um, it was also just like really well acted and really interesting and spooky. And if you're into that kind of, if you're into that kind of melodrama, it's worth checking out. Uh, Emily, what about you? Where have you been? In? I also watched a Netflix show. I watched the two seasons of The Norseman, um, which is I have mixed feelings about it. I uh, really enjoyed the premise. It's about Vikings, but they're sort of they be, they do Viking shit, but they talk like they're modern day people. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's it, which is really really funny. Like there are hilarious interactions between people. Like rape is just this thing that happens. It's it's whatever. You know, people get raped. It's whatever. But th- and they actually do manage to make rape funny if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like there's a scene where a woman is uh they, their town has been pillaged and there's this like really power hungry woman who just wants to hook on to whatever man is most powerful. So the leader of the the like tribe that comes in to attack them is like an earl or something, and she's like, ooh, I hope I get fucked by an earl and he, he's like well I'm gonna rape you and she's like okay put your seed in me and so the whole time like, <laughs> and then he can't get it up so she's just wow. like god damn it now I'm not gonna have an earl baby and uh, it, it actually works which is really weird but what uh, at the same time like I do have mixed feelings because like everyone in, and no. I think the reason <laughs> the reason that it works is because everyone on the show is pretty terrible like they're all bad people um, but then they also have moments where they're not bad people. It's just all very back and forth. Um, mm. My biggest problem probably with season one, it got a little better in season two. In season one, um, there's a lot of homophobia. Mm. And that was rubbing me the wrong way the whole time. Because um, there's some moments that are just absolutely delightful. Like these characters are so ridiculous. And um, and they do such funny things and they say such funny things. But then you'll see someone like makes a joke about, you know, like there's one character on the show who's very obviously gay and he's uh, and everyone, you know, makes fun of him for it in season one. And like it's a it's a punchline in season one that he's gay in season two. They do a better job. He does give a speech about like he it, it's more like just a thing that's not to be ashamed of in season two. But in season one, I was very uncomfortable with some of that. Um, but it's, it's God, there are some parts that are so funny. I can't believe I was laughing at a rape scene. I just was, it, I'm sorry, everyone. It just was really well done. And, um, be, partly because of the tone of the show, right. because it's so toxic masculinity that they turn <laughs> it into absurdity. Yeah. And, and you're like, this is, you guys are so stupid. Like they do stuff that's just so stupid. Um, because it's like, that's what men do. You know, it's anyway, it was really funny. Eric, what about you? Um, I too, uh, watch Netflix. And whoa, <laughs> not to brag or anything. Um, I binged the Haunting of Hill House. I don't know if you already talked about love that. Love it, yeah. Same. Um, you know, the thing that I love about horror because I'm a big fan of the genre too. Like, mm-hmm. I was there opening day for the new Halloween, and um, you had a horror film on Netflix for a while, didn't you? That's exactly right, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's on Shudder now. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Not to, to get ahead of myself with the plugs <laughs> or anything, but if you go to Shudder and look at late phases, uh, <laughs> um, but you. One of the great things about horror is that it's almost like how a frog will, like, absorb aspects of its environment to survive or adapt, you know? Like, horror tends to be a really great funhouse mirror of the world around it when it's made and acts as a really interesting time capsule in that way. And, you know, back in the early 2000s, we had what is, you know, now colloquially known as torture porn because everybody was 
very much on edge. You had all that, you know, junk like Saw and Hostel and stuff like that that was like really interested in, in, in taking you to the limits of what you're willing to watch. And now we are in a horror era that I call misery porn because yeah, yeah. everyone's sad. Everyone on this planet is super fucking bummed. And we have movies like Hereditary and The Witch and shows like The Haunting of Hill House where it's just like all these people are sad plus a ghost. <laughs> well, and, I, and, I, and, I, and if I ever get time, I want to write something about it. But there's a, a great it handles tragedy and haunting of tragedy in a very great way that really spoke to me. I agree. And, and if you are looking for a really smart approach to the multi generational, like you know, the the trauma affecting a family, you know, what Halloween can't really fully do because it's only you know ninety minutes long. I mean, Haunting of Hill House is ten hours of of really interesting conversations about that. It's definitely next on my to-watch list. Yeah. Yeah, I, I told Trudy I'd wait for her, so we can only watch a little bit at a time. I would recommend not binging it. Like, I yeah, did, and that was it was really intense. I had to move to something like The Good Place after it was like a palate cleanse. I, I'm that's concerned real. about the, like, gore level. I can't, like... It's not bad. No. Um, okay. It's not as interesting. In, in fact, Sabrina is so much gorier oh, really? than Haunting of Hill House. Sabrina's You'd be surprised. so nasty. Totally. We need to talk about 8th grade. We've yeah. been yeah. here for too long. Yeah, totally. Uh, so when we reached out to Eric to have him on for this, as we like to do with guests sometimes, it's like, hey, if you wanted to come on, what movie do you want to talk to? And this is what he said. Um, so I had heard of this movie. I was planning on seeing it at some point, but now I get to see it now. And I, I enjoyed it. And we'll get to why and everything like that after... We do a breakdown. Breakdown. So you're going to have 30 seconds to do this. Do you think you can do it? Sure. <laughs> this one actually I think is pretty easy. Like yeah, it's Hereditary, not that driven. one was tough. Yeah. This one is, uh, I think you could probably do it in 10 seconds if you had to. Um, this depends on the phrasing. But let me pull up a timer here. You ready to go? I'm good. Are you ready for this? I was born ready for this. Eighth grade in 30 seconds. Here we go, 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 go. Eighth grade is the worst year of everyone's life, including Kayla's, but she's getting through it and she's becoming a better person on the other side. Yeah, like I said, under 10 seconds. It's <laughs> a new record. Yeah, that, that does it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, what's great about the movie is the simple, it's like, you know, the old saying about like a simple story well told. Like that's eighth grade to me. Like it is extremely, it, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than it is. It's it, Yeah. With the reality of this this young woman's life is just presented very matter of fact, and there's no like wrinkle to it. There's no like, and also she's there's got a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> and a ghost, and also her house is haunted, and like you know she doesn't have like like a life threatening illness. Like there's no like there's no plus to it. There's no like elevator pitch like oh yeah, as if eighth grade wasn't hard enough. It's like the point of the movie is no like your life is hard enough, but you made it. Yeah. yeah, there's really interesting points to it, but uh, honestly, I think the best place to start with this is going to be, it's interesting when this happens, and I feel like it's happening less now than it used to in the back in the day, but when men feel the need to tell a women's story, or like sure. a woman's story. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, it's, it's a very, <laughs> it's something that I feel like most of the film world has kind of grown out of. Like, they kind of like, it's not saying that like they can't, or women can't tell men's stories, and men can't tell women's stories. I'm not saying that. It's just, it's interesting when someone's like, this is the calling I had to tell an eighth grade girl's story as a, I think, 28, 29 year old man. I did not, I didn't look anything up about this movie before I watched it. So as soon as it was was over, I just kind of assumed it was written by a woman. And so when I, when I went to look it up, I was like, I can't believe a man made this movie. Yeah. It resonated with me on a major level. 
it did for uh, Chewie for the most. Chewie's not a big uh, coming of age person. Neither is Sam. So it was kind of a. Yeah. Who's no, gonna be I which could relate today? to. I could relate a lot to a lot of. I started crying at one point in this movie because I could relate so hard to the, it. They really like it wears its emotions on its sleeve and not in a bad way. Yeah. Like it really just like it's gonna be honest about things that suck and like it has some of the most horrifying scenes I've seen in a movie this year and it's just mm. it is the scariest horror film I've seen. For yeah. me, the most horrifying thing about it is that the only time those annoying needle drops didn't happen is when men were talking. Yeah. And her one moment of triumph when she has that moment of bravery and sings the karaoke song, I wanted to revel in that moment because those are the only things I've chosen to remember about middle school. It was really unfortunate just because I feel like they had that stupid, it, it all just felt like a montage and it, it felt like he was glossing over any attempts at truth to her life to get to that monologue for the dad and to get that nerdy boy's date. You know, and it was just that that for me was the real frustrating point is it was just like, wow, okay, so you only turn off the fucking music. It was like worse than watching Baby Driver when the boys are talking. Thanks. Like that I, that's how I knew it was the dude and especially how I knew it was Bo Burnham because the music was that awful electronic shit that he does in his comedy acts. It, I didn't it, the the thing is the music didn't really play that big of a part for me. I agree with like we were talking a little bit before we started recording. I agree with John where it was I feel like it was a misstep because I don't think any of the music in the movie is something that somebody in eighth grade today would listen to. Mm. It's it's uh, music that like I would like and trying to kind of make me think of that time, but grossly misunderstanding what the point of the movie was, which is that she's in eighth grade, it's about her. Yeah, and she never lis- she would never listen to Chiptune. None of them, none of those kids, even how nerdy they would be. I, I think the the ducky, if you will, he yeah. might have listened to Chiptune. Ironically. But, yeah, but the the long of the short of it is kind of like to what Sam was saying and with the music and all this stuff, I think that's where it proves that a man made this. Because hmm. I think he hit the emotional beats right and I think he hit the stories right, but I think when it's like, well, I want to get to the, the, the best speech in the movie has got to come from the dad. And like the, the characters that she's going to like are going to be this guy over here. Like they, he didn't really pay a lot of attention to the people around her unless they were the men around her. Everyone else kind of got fleeting glimpses. Like even her best friend ish character from high school really doesn't have a lot. She just kind of shows up and is super nice mm. and that's it. But all like the dudes around her really have more than one thing. And I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. And I'm not saying it's like necessarily a knock against the movie, but it is kind of when a guy tells this sort of story, those are the, like the pitfalls that I think are really hard to avoid. And I don't think he necessarily it's, avoided any of that. It's also telling that, um, I, again, like this is just, I think it, I think it was well-intentioned, but he needed to really check his perspective. Kayla is an average size girl, especially mm-hmm. for an eighth grader where you're kind of growing into your body and stuff. There were no other normal looking bodies in this film. I think that Everyone was intelligent. Was... I loved that. But that's where it's like really infuriating because I don't want to pity someone who looks normal for looking normal in a swimsuit. That was really disturbing to me when she was kind of like the chubby girl at the party and seeing this normal body. If you showed this to someone actually in eighth grade, that could really fuck them up. I think. But but that's it's it's not to so to not no, it's not to make you pity her. It's to make you feel what she's feeling. She I mean, feels like she's the only chubby girl. At that when party. I think about what I weighed in high school, I was super skinny. And I never felt like I was skinny. I always felt like I was too, too fat all the time. And I think that's just it. So I get what you're saying. I think yeah. that's a really no matter what your size, you're always going to feel like everyone is prettier, thinner, better than you are. I, I think that was the point of that party. They filled but it with 14-year-old supermodels on purpose. What he did then was like dehumanize the rest of the women at the expense of this narrative and then only give men lines. I just I found the whole thing like kind of really disturbing. Like the more I thought about it, the more yeah. it just made me like really upset 
Because, like, eighth grade is such a fragile time. And even that scene in the car with the boy, he just, like, he just, like, really screwed the pooch on it. Because it was clear he knew that boy's sexual impulses but didn't understand hers or her fear. And I, I, I disagree. Just, I, I think that scene was on point. I absolutely love that scene. I I wanna, my heart I, was I've talked a lot. What, what did you say? Oh, I mean, and and, and as far as this, the, uh, the, that was my, my favorite scene uh, was was that scene in the car and the scene with her dad giving the speech, actually. And yes, those are two scenes that have very heavy men talking. Sure, but, and they're great scenes. Like, I'm not saying they're bad scenes. It's just, you know. Well, the reason that I, I mean, I, my heart broke because of the amount of times that that happens. The, the shit in the car, the way that he, the way that she was apologizing for not wanting to have sex with him. And the way he was telling her, well, some other guy is going to come along and do it. And he's going to be an asshole, not like me. Oh, my God, I've heard that. And I've fallen for it. I, I've had boys, like, convince me to do things I didn't want to do because they made me feel so, like, it was my problem that I didn't want to sleep with them. And they're doing and, you a favor. Yeah, and, and they're doing yeah. you a favor and all of that. And um, and I, it, it just resonated real hard. And I just thought, and then later on when she gets a speech with her dad, I don't, we mentioned it before, I don't have a really healthy relationship with my dad or my stepdad. I have two really shitty father figures. I've never had that. I've never had a father figure treat me with the amount of respect that he treated her in that moment and say those things to her. So I was just like a mess because I was like, I want my dad to be like that. But I, my, what I wrote down in my notes was she was happy until that dude came at her in the car and her dad uh, made her feel wanted again. A man broke it. And a man fixed it. And I feel like that's a lesson that men need to learn because this was a movie full of like guys, guys were kind of being assholes. And then her dad came along and showed what a man looks like. And so I think that that's the, yes, this movie is about a girl, but there's also a lot of lessons from men within this about how to behave. I I would, I would argue that is one of the best dad speeches in a movie. It's pretty brilliant. And he, he does such a good job with it. It's so good. Well, and then to Sam's point too, you uh, you lose that specificity on her, which uh, coming out. I, I didn't lose and that. And they chose mm. the sex route to get to that speech. Like again, that doesn't bother because that that's that all real. Rings. But being a yeah. but being a, I'm aware that it's real. I'm a fucking female. Like I'm aware that that is real and that is our lived experience. I experienced that a lot because I also fucking grew up in church where everyone talks about sex all the time and then makes you feel horrible for the body that you're mm. in. I understand that. I also understand what it's like to have a good dad. I'm very, very fortunate. But what bumped me is that I am also more than that. Men have broken me. Women have broken me. Eighth grade broke me in a lot of ways. And it's not just my sexuality and my body. And that's what it felt like this movie relegated this little girl to. Because at first it was like, oh, the socialization and stuff. And then they played the music over the karaoke scene. There was no specificity to that party. All the other girls were bitches instead of like the same as her, but feel, you know, like in eighth grade, you're all in your little glass bubbles and stuff. And, and I, I don't know, it just, it really made me angry. I just, I'm so tired of us just being reduced to like fucking sex objects so that a dad can have a good speech. But the you movie know, also I, I promises just, that specificity too, with the way they're using the music that we recognize to like it, it's kind of whether it means to or not it, it seems to be saying we're going to look at those bubbles and explore those because this is music they don't listen to this is these are things that are kind of outside of that time period those kids age range yeah we're getting more we're getting like i really that, liked the enya like the enya scene was very good that specificity of like zoning out on your phone yeah and that feeling like 
that I wanted more of that. And instead it just got reduced to a sex story with a dad fixing her. You didn't yourself. like the the YouTube videos that she did? You didn't think that cuz I I I felt like what I got out of those was there was so much she was so optimistic and that was what was so great about her as a character is that she was just like everything's going to be great even though no one watched her video she kept going on and and, and lying you know basically being like I, this is how you're confident it's like you don't how to be co- you're giving advice to people you you're also lost and that's also very relatable you're like i i wrote books when i was in elementary school on how to get boys um and i tried <laughs> to sell them to people um one girl actually bought one and then the teacher told me i couldn't do that do you still um, that's amazing <laughs> yeah where can um, i get these but that's, the they, of, but that's the kind of specificity where it's like i think the youtube videos felt a little like a contrivance because they happened in the vacuum what yours did was like, <laughs> there's that optimism and you had just enough swagger to get someone else on your train. And like, that's a real and funny and like charming story. And it doesn't paint you necessarily just as like a sad caricature. It's like, oh, that's, that's, that's Emily. Point. That's like, I, like Maybe that's she had Emily somebody who interacted, like, interacted with her other than that boy late in the movie. Yeah, because yeah. I just felt like she was so lonely and everybody is lonely in middle school, but like... I wanted to know why or like what what is the environment that a girl that's this sort of average would be this lonely because there's nothing bad about her well she suffers from really severe social anxiety you know it's it's something that that tends to make her feel so withdrawn and isolated from others that she she isn't really but even if she had had like she was obsessed with online and stuff what if she had online relationships because I feel like that's also true of a lot of younger kids like the kids that I used to volunteer with at the animal shelter and stuff that are in high school a lot of them have friends like they're little weirdos they volunteer with animals they have friends online they don't Mm -hmm. have friends at school they hang out with dogs and they talk to their online buddies you know like (laughs) I I guess that's the thing it just kind of lacked any sort of specificity for me I don't know. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking. Okay. Right? You, <laughs> no, like, well, you also was, have a perspective. Yeah, we don't yeah, really I agree. just found yeah. it. Yeah. But I'm also <laughs> trying to extrapolate that too, because the the YouTube thing made sense for the movie. But I'm also like not from like my eighth grade was a generational difference in terms of the things we used. We didn't come to online until like ninth, tenth grade. Like, there's a, a lot of like, it's it's a weird shift. Yeah. And one that didn't well, like did I, I didn't I felt had no grounding. Maybe I think it totally has ground. Like I have I have who are just a hair older than the people in this. Okay. And, they both have YouTube channels. They both do this. Nobody watches them except for me. Um, <laughs> and like maybe a few of their friends. It's like, yeah, I had this video on how to do special effects and 10 people have watched it. And it's like, okay. And, and like, it's just like, it is a thing because people, they see grownups do it. They see the celebrities they like. They have these YouTube channels and Instagram things and they want to be like them. And it just happens and nobody fucking watches them and they basically make it for themselves. Kind of like how this podcast was for a couple of years. It's just like, it's one of those okay. things where like, you do it until you get an audience or then you quit. And these kids think that they're going to be internet famous for doing it. And the way to do that is to put on your best smile and just do your best. And she's just lying through her teeth. Like, this is how I became confident. And this is how I did this. And it's one of those things where like, you can see her, like the wheels turning. The more I tell myself, this is how I do it. I will be able to do it because you have the whole speech of like this is how you become confident mm-hmm. overlaid with her at the party of her not being confident and it's like I but think, then she was she becomes but then confident she, yeah, yeah but then so it, it works like she just keeps telling herself to do these things and then she could do it and it's like she's almost like repeating a mantra to herself but it's a YouTube channel um, okay when I worked on I've worked on a couple of things with influencers um, which uh, is a hell of a thing um, <laughs> I, but I worked on this one project and um, it, there was a kid who was this big Instagram model kid 
I, I have things but to say, but I will not call him out. Um, anyway. <laughs> I'm sitting right here. Uh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> He was a, you said we would talk about this after the recording. <laughs> I can't believe you just called me out like this. How but, embarrassing. But we you. were talking, and I think he was like, a, he was, I think he was still in high school. I think he was like a senior or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know age anymore. Um, and, uh, and we were talking about, um, uh, about that, about the whole Instagram like um, uh, follower thing. And he was like, he was saying that, yes, right now in high school, uh, your popularity is based on your following online. If you huh. have a lot of followers, then you're popular. If you don't, then you're seen as like lower tier. And he was saying that's actually how it is, at least at his school. And I was just like, I was horrified at the idea. Like, it's not hard enough in high school when you're just like dealing with real life friends to try to have to deal with getting people, finding some kind of way to get people to follow you online in addition to that. is That sounds horrific like i i was just like oh thank god i want to be in high school right now that sounds terrible and but yeah it's yeah. kind of weird as a kid i always wondered where where i would cross the line and to the like i don't get these kids anymore i never realized it would be at this point with that type of thing yeah. as i'm watching this movie i'm just like that's why i had that like it just doesn't feel like i don't this doesn't make any sense because yeah. yeah. i don't have any i don't have any touchstone for yeah. like brian like you said for those kids who have that thing going on and that online used to be a retreat from meat space, not a way to make it. Yeah. Work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah no, it, it's such a different thing than how, but you can see that's why she has the YouTube channel is that's right. how she's going to do it. She's going to get all these followers and it just doesn't work. And yeah. it's one of those things where like you, like as you're watching the videos, you're almost praying that nobody's watching them. Cause yeah. like you've seen her in school, you've seen her trying to interact with the popular kids. You've seen her act with not the popular kids. And you're like, if any of these kids watch these videos, like they are just going to rip into you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I quite love the screenplay in part because I really respond to the structure of you know almost breaking the film into chapters with mm-hmm. each one being started by a different YouTube video, and and that YouTube video kind of establishing a theme for the scenes for that the next like, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, because yeah. you know it's it's covering almost an entire year of this young woman's life, and it's it's a little episodic in that respect, mm-hmm. but it's really interested in you know, having a very specific focus for each of these moments in her life. And, um, you know, the the final video is not to any potential YouTube subscribers. It's to her. Yeah. And and that was a moment that I actually found myself weeping at. I cried two times watching this movie. I should also say I saw this movie three times in theaters. <laughs> I, I really, really responded to it. Um, but it's part of why I'm interested in talking to you about it more because, you know, your experience watching it is is one of, of watching it as a woman. And I watched it as a man. Who I also was, watched it as a woman. You Are you did? sure? <laughs> well, but everyone I talk to, I mean, it's like it's 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, whatever that means. And it's like very Nothing. universally. No, not at all. But yeah. it's, it's, it's got this universal praise. So I'm interested in hearing the point of view of somebody who's like calling it out on what they perceive to be BS. Because to me, I was really connecting to it as like someone who was, you know, bullied as a kid and still has a lot of social anxiety issues. And I also do have like, you know, a complicated um, relationships with my family and things like that. So... Um, I, I wept during the dad speech because I was like, oh my God, if only, right? And then I, I wept during the last... <laughs> that's, that's, it's such an interesting that we had the same response. I'm like, I wish my dad was this nice. Well, I don't know. Have you all seen um, uh, Call Me By Your Name? Yes. So there's similarly a monologue from a father that is pure... It's it's almost like a fantasy film. Yeah, it's wish, wish fulfillment It's wish dads. fulfillment, yeah. And, but, but there's something to that that I really love and respond to yeah. because... The cliche, the like, save the cat, crack it open to page 75 or whatever, and it's like, the dad is a source of conflict. Like, the parents are always going to be in the way. And especially Call Me By Your Name, which is a gay romance film. 
you're basically sitting there waiting for conflict. You're waiting for this dad to be like, no, listen, boy. And instead, the dad literally sits down and smokes a cigarette and talks for 10 minutes and there's not a dry seat in the house. And he's saying things like, I want you to have the life that, that I was not brave enough to get. You know, there's even yeah. these implications from the father that he like wished that he had explored his, you know, sexuality more when he was his son's age. And it's, again... That speech might not have ever happened in human history, but to see it in the context of drama is devastating. It's so moving, and and it and it feels right. That's the only thing in that movie I actually enjoyed. Like that speech was sure. so good. The movie itself, I, I think, we, that's why it's not on this podcast. I sure, it's too much to just. Ugh. But that but speech that from speech was so good. And I, you know, Michael Stolberg is yeah. like a Mensa level genius at acting. And, yeah. you know, that guy literally is like he walks into Men in Black three and makes it interesting. <laughs> like everything he touches is is gold, as far as I'm concerned. But to that point, you know, similarly, the father who is like a suburban goofball uh, gets this moment of great grace and transcendence and and. It is absolutely something straight out of fantasy, but it's also a level of exaggeration that you see from her point of view in the rest of the film as yeah. well. Like everything is the end of the world to this woman because yeah. everything is is life or death stakes. Everything is of severe, deep, anxious response. And in that moment, he becomes almost like a fantasy hero because that's what she needs and that's what she's looking for on some level. But I also really responded to the speech that she has at the end because... I really love the fact that it's to Kayla yeah. and not and not like, great. hey, subscribers. And it's like, you know, the things that she's saying to her future self, I, I got really inspired by because I realized that as a 30, 32 going on 33-year-old man, I need those words of wisdom that she's giving herself as a 13-year-old girl just as much as she needs it in that moment. That scene that was really yeah. good, especially how it was juxtaposed with the YouTube videos and the, that framing. Oh, 100%. And as someone yeah. who does have his own social anxiety and who uses stuff like podcast and internet, <laughs> like and things like that just to get through it. Yeah. Um, it was just like, it was, it hit me. It was poignant. And it was like, she wasn't looking at anybody. She was looking at the floor or some corner. Oh, when she's talking to the bitch girl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I, I know I that. I that. Yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah that's she great. wasn't looking at it. Yeah, just right. like, I'm. this is all she's I like, have right now. Yeah. As soon as I yeah, look up, great. I'm going to lose my nerves. So she just keeps <laughs> we, staring at the we, floor. Yeah. We find a place that's a j- like near person to sure. look at that we're not looking in the eyes because it can be kind of difficult to do. Yeah. And I do it a lot, but like I work on it and try to get past it because it just becomes too much. And, it's almost, and we look down yeah. and over to the left a little bit or to the right a little bit when we're talking to make a point. To get through but, the moment. Yeah. yeah. That chew out scene, it, it's so good too because you, you know it's 100% for her to say that I did it because the girl who was just chewed out was going to go, that was weird. What yeah, she's weird. like, but couldn't care it. less. What a weird <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. for her. And again, it's yeah. like similar to the video that she makes for herself at yeah. the end as a time capsule. It's a gift from herself to herself. Yeah. And, and I really responded to that. And, you know, granted, it's certainly not like... Uh, drop the mic a dramatic monologue that like actors are going to be like doing in acting classes no. like the dad speech but but it's her version of, of her ability to do that as someone who's you know like finding her voice and her courage and things like that I, so. again very i found that so relatable because like the the last the last time i ever saw my dad i told him he was a piece of shit <laughs> and, uh, and i've never spoken to him since and i don't even know if he remembers that or cares doesn't matter to me but it was for you the last was, thing yeah. he will go to his grave and the last interaction i had with him was telling him how much he was a piece of shit yeah. and i am totally cool with that 
and that was a gift to yourself because yeah, you, exactly. you needed it's, it more than he needed you, it. That's, yeah. that's what was great about that is that was for her. The fact that she walked away smiling, it did not matter what was going on behind her. It mattered no. that she had the courage to do that. And yeah. like the credit to both, uh, I'm forgetting her name now and I can't get Elsie Fisher. Away. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit to both her and then the, the girl who played the quote unquote popular girl. Like I think they both did such a good job with it of just like, that girl nailed the deadpan like you are an aunt to me, and I don't know why you're still talking at me. Like, didn't even put her phone down. Like, like when they're in the middle of the hall and she's uh, trying to like give them the thank you letter and be nice, yeah. and they're just like, "What?" She's like, "I like your shirt. I I like I like shirts too." Yeah. And she's like, "What?" Well, okay. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh yeah, the dumb thing that you can never take back." I, yep. Oh I, I, yeah. That, that's said, just Tuesday for me. I've said many of them. Oh yes. Yeah. One of the first times I hit on a girl, I told her that I was drinking too much and I had to go pee, and then I ran away. Oh. Yeah, that didn't go very well. The thing is, is, like, you remember these moments as these mortifying experiences. Like, you ever just wake up in the middle of the night and you remember something embarrassing you did? You're like, why is that still in my head? (laughs) Stop. But, like, you realize that the people who were in that moment with you, they don't fucking remember it most of the time. I'm sure sometimes they do, but a lot of times it's things that drive you crazy. You're the only one who remembers it. And and you're like, oh, God, I'm so mortified. It's like, it's fine. Nobody is thinking of you that and way. It's or our it's rarely. our ghosts that show up yeah. at the yeah. haunted house. Yeah. Like these anxieties that are like, do you remember when you did this? And it's like, oh god, a ghost. And I think that this whole movie is like printed in that ink of like those borderline traumatic, like those moments that you remember so clearly that are just minutia. Yeah. That nevertheless, you you recall as bright as beacons in your mind's eye. And the entire film has that really good balance between it feels like hell where everything is is deeply exaggerated to this agonizing degree, or it feels like purgatory. Like, he makes you sit, and you listen to that whole goddamned band portrayal, the, the performance of Star Spangled Banner. Oh. Like, you listen to the entire thing, because that's what middle school is, is you yeah. got to listen to that whole fucking thing. All the way through. <laughs> so it awful. forces you to listen to it from beginning to yeah. end, and I responded to that, because I was like, yeah. That reminds me of what it feels like to just be like sitting and waiting for the day to be over. I in was in school. band. I remember that. <laughs> for, us, for, us, yeah. for us, it was choir. I wasn't yeah. even good enough for band. Oh, well. Jesus. Not to also... brag, but I did play the uh, the tambourine <laughs> in eighth grade. And I'd like to think that uh, I, I, I like to think that I blazed a trail for future tambourine players <laughs> at I'm West so Middle School. I'm so open with not to brag. Yeah, because I wasn't. Because it's horrifying. Um, but to that point, on that note, I do think I'm in the, the vast minority at this table because this remains my favorite um, score of and soundtrack of the entire year so far. This is this movie has my favorite musical moments in movies that I've seen this year so it's, far. It's interesting. interesting. Uh, I didn't. The thing for me with the score was that I just kind of nothinged it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I noticed. I definitely noticed like when it was coming in and out. Sure. And I agree with John where I felt like it was stilted more to people in their thirties than it was to people in their eighth grade. Which is true. I mean, nobody's yeah. listening to Enya in yeah. eighth grade like, was today. Was this movie for people in eighth grade, or I think it was no. four people? I think it was yeah. four yeah. people in the thirties. But that's where yeah. like, and that's where I think it's interesting because like, say the same thing with uh, say Lady Bird or Perks of Being a Wallflower. Also made for people in their 30s, not in those grades, and then they set them in that time period. Sure. There's also Whereas this movie, one kept yeah. it modern, but then made it for us, and I think that's an interesting idea. But more to the music. Well, just that I, I related to this so much as somebody who suffers from anxiety and as somebody mm-hmm. who you know grapples with like getting over my own mental interpretation of a moment instead of the reality of the moment. And in that way, you know, my favorite musical moment of anything this year even more so than Eminem's single for Venom, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, was uh, the controversial... Um, 
I'm, I'm being serious right now, I swear. Uh, but the, the controversial uh, pool party sequence, like when okay. she comes out and that music, uh, I sat there and I had chills almost to like an ASMR degree because that electronic music, um, the composer, her name's Anna Meredith, um, that track is called Nautilus, which I think like speaks to this like weird epic scale that this strange music is, is trying to convey in this moment is that it's just so large and you know granted if you're used to electronic music then you know it does almost start to sound a little bit like just background ambience sure. but to me i was sitting there and and it made this movie such a theatrical experience where i was like oh my god this is what goes through my head when i go to a party and i know like one other person and i barely know that person and i'm surrounded by people laughing and having in jokes and everything in my head is just like dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. and i was like i get it like this yeah. this is me that's and, me at every rap party Chewy takes me to. 110%. Yeah. <laughs> I know Chewy. I don't know anyone else. Yeah. You're all looking at me like, what'd you do on this film? That's, that's I did nothing. It's interesting <laughs> that it hit the music for you because I also, I like wrote that scene down as like one of my favorite like moments, but not for the music. Although, I'm, I mean, they work in conjunction, but for the, the, the cinematography, I forgot to look up who the DP was, but um, just when they're zooming out on her, they made such a really, really clever decision in that scene. They're, they're zooming out on her and she's in the window looking out on the party and you're looking at her, oh, looking yeah. at her, looking at her and then a beach ball flies past the screen and as soon as the beach ball flies past the screen you're looking at the party. It yeah. was such a beautifully timed shot and it's just like, because you don't know when to take your eye away and they helped you. They were like, ball goes by. Oh, I'm in the party now. It was just so, yeah. so very clever and I really, there were a lot of little choices like that throughout the movie that blink and you'll miss it um, like when the, the the mom of the popular girl when she opens the door and she's like where's your dad and she's like looking around and you're like oh that's why she invited Kayla to the party where's your dad with all the dreamy speeches yeah. Yeah. I want a dreamy speech but there were just so many like really great little choices throughout this movie that I enjoyed and I, I really liked the cinematography I think I wrote a few more down but that was my favorite you just and reminded me of the for, moment where oh sorry oh. go ahead for me the pool party scene the reason it bothered me so much is my anxiety manifests as OCD. So instead of um, ASMR, I get severe misophonia. Oh, sure. Certain, especially electronic what sounds. Is, oh, God. Misophonia is when you um, something irritates you so much that it triggers a fight or flight response. Oh. I will scream at people for whistling because I get so ragey, and certain electronic music does that Sure. What about like mouth sounds, like chewing and things like that? Is Not that... so much that. It's, mm. it's different, but... Um, for me, what also was really funny is whenever I go to a party or something, I try to find something to do. If it's a casino night, like um, my fiance's rat, or not rat parties, but like holiday parties often are, I'm a pro because I'm really good at blackjack. If there's karaoke, that is how I would have taken my power. And damn it, if I didn't want to know this little girl's karaoke tune and see sure. that moment of triumph, because I was just like, why are you doing this to me? I want to see this scene. Your music's in the way of my scene. And totally. I was just like having Do you think they had a song where they couldn't get clearance and then they were like, uh-oh. That's it, yeah. Know it's either it that or like. I figured it was either that or the actress went, I can't sing. Oh, yeah. She, That's a possibility. I think she kind of can, though, because it's Agnes from DM1 yeah, and she, 2. She's yeah. a very good voice. Yeah, actor. she can sing a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, just, it, I don't but think it could she just be, needed to be good. I mean, she just needed to have but, gusto. I guess, I mean, but if she had gone do, to the director and said, I'm not comfortable with it, he might have gone, yeah. okay, then, well, I'll, then do, but I'll do, fix That's it. what I'm asking is, do we think it was a creative choice to do it that way? Or do we think it was a necessity that they did it that way? I think, as I recall from an interview, and I can't remember the song, but there was a clearance issue. Because they were because they were working with you know a very limited budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blown it all on pure moods. Ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. I was bummed too because it was 
the way that it was shot and with the score over it, I was like, shit, this is going to be like her fantasy sequence of having confidence. I was really relieved when it was real, but I hated that I felt that way. I just... I Those felt the same way. I thought it was triumph are so yeah. rare, and I just wanted one for her that was yeah. that was honest, you know, like that. But the, she, she yeah. got that at the end. She didn't get it in karaoke that she yeah. maybe should have. Sure, yeah, but I it, do. It gave of, her the confidence to write that letter and have yeah. that conversation. I do kind of wish that someone had been like, "Hey, good job on the," you know, like just that there had been some fall. It's because in that moment, everyone seemed so enamored with her singing. And then there was never any, there was never anything else to it. But I think the enamored anything. with her singing was more like, oh, she's still here. Oh, I thought it was like everyone's like, oh, she. Can there was sing. kind of a dumbfounded uh, like, I, kind of like, huh? I, I got more <laughs> of the, oh, she's singing. That's I thought she left. She hasn't I thought been everybody here for like was impressed hour. with her singing. I think this scene is proving to be a fascinating Rorschach test. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Everyone's projecting a lot of fascinating Optimist. things into That's it. That's why yeah. I related to her so hard. I was like, I too would be like, I'm yeah. doing great. I just assumed she was awesome. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, that music and that scene and throughout just like all the weird loops and electronic loops, I responded to because it was an interesting mix of like melody and like agony. It really was like, yeah. there is something very frustrating and especially like I've been listening to that Nautilus track from the soundtrack and it's like seven minutes long. Oh wow. And it's just seven minutes of that just like, dun-dun, 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 just so driving. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is a lot for a scene about a young girl going to a pool party. <laughs> Um, that's how it, I mean, to their yeah. credit, that is how it feels. And I, yeah. yeah, totally. And I thought that uh, Bo Burnham had done the music, I assume, because like you said earlier, like he's known in his, um, he's, if people don't know, the writer-director of this, Bo Burnham, is kind of a, a prodigal, like YouTube comedian sensation. Like he made his first YouTube videos when he was 13, uh, mostly around him making like funny songs, not like Weird Al parodies, but more like Adam Sandler, like, oh, there's a joke to this song and I'm going right. to push that throughout this original tune that I'm going to play on the piano. Uh, but he does a lot of like electronic and synthesized uh, music for his um, shows, his stage shows. So it's in that vein, but it's also from this um, composer, Anna Meredith, who I forget what else she's done, mostly indie stuff. But, right. but it, it's totally in line with his vibe in comedy, but he's doing something completely different with it here. Um, one more thing before we move into the end of this, because I still think there's, there's so, so much we haven't th- talked about. I know, there's so much. But the <laughs> one thing that I want to bring up, and I want to see the read on the table for it, what do you guys think about the choice of not having the mother in it? It's interesting. Um, unusual, you yeah. know, because normally in movies like this, you either get the nuclear family that's just kind of benign, like in a John Hughes film, where like the parents are together, but they're dopes. Yeah. Or you get, um, you know, the dysfunctional family where it's like, oh, this this person has to overcome the like broken home or you get a single mother, which is so much more, you know, like the classic like we're in this together, you know, kind of. It's either the classic that or the classic like teenage girl hates their mom sort of thing. I think it accentuates her loneliness because there are things that you would go tell your mom about that you're not going to tell your dad about. Yeah. And so she had like the banana, for example. Like the banana Oh, man. Or even just the the basic makeup tutorial and skincare and the fact that she never pulled her hair back or anything. Like, not that you have to, but I just thought it was interesting. Like things that your mom might help you with or teach you to do, especially as a middle schooler. Yeah. Her mom would have bought her a better bathing suit. Yeah, like it was just her dad was doing the best he could. And I did, I I liked that they didn't have her mom there because it added a little bit of 
like honesty or like credibility yeah. of the story. It, it reminded me of the movie Away We Go. If you guys remember that one from sure. forever ago, John, uh, John Krasinski. Yeah, John Krasinski meets up with his brother at some point in the movie, and his brother's wife has just left, and he's just going through this like horrible downward spiral of like I can't be a single dad to a girl. Like I don't know what I'm doing. I won't know if she has the right backpack. I don't mm. know anything about makeup. When she goes through puberty, I won't know what to do. Mm. And this is like the actualization of that guy's fears in that movie, but he has to actually live it in this movie. Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting because like I really i kept expecting the turn to be oh when your mom died blah 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 blah. it's like no your mom just left yeah yeah and, and it, when she was so young yeah mm. it's just it's like it's brutal and it's only mentioned in that one yeah. moment it's not a big it's not something they can't because in a lot of places they that would have been worked into the plot way sooner so that we all knew and then it would have been brought up over and over again as a point of conflict and it's also like they both just moved on from it yeah it's yeah. not like you would have expected in a lesser film at some point like well if mom was here well yeah. I'm not your mom and that just it never There's a I worse... like that the only conflict from it is that her single dad's kind of cute yeah, yeah. <laughs> like way cooler than and she is and it's just annoying like da- all yeah. parents are annoying yeah, yeah. so like, many dad stop jokes stop loving me fucking so weirdo. many dad jokes like look it's a worm <laughs> it's just like oh I can't wait to be that dad <laughs> when he stops at dinner to like explain to her how much he loves her and she's like what stop what are you doing i'm never gonna talk i'm never yeah. gonna eat with you again like, yeah <laughs> she's, she's like you said you just had one more thing to say and he's trying to say well, all it's these a couple nice more. things it's the my same dad, idea my dad does do shit like that when he visits he'll just walk up he's not a very talkative guy but he'll just like walk up and hug me randomly and he'll just be like oh jammer and i'm like hey dad <laughs> cool thanks i'm a hundred percent going to be that dad i feel bad for my son He's gonna it's nice story. though. Yeah. Once, once I, you get out of the teen years, it's really great. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had a, I had a right when I was going through like the most turmoil with my family. Mm. A friend of mine was talking about how annoyed he was because his mom kept telling her he loved her all the time, and it was so annoying. And he just looks at me, he goes, and it's. So- Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's f- I'm glad your mom loves you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know, like, I know there's all of a you be cheesy dads. It is, yeah. it is great. Plan- planning on it. Fingers crossed. Uh, I know there's a limit on the on the time available, but should we uh, broach the topic of the car scene? Yeah, that, that would probably be a good idea. I don't really know, because here's the thing: like in high school, I was afraid to basically talk to a girl that I wasn't friends with. Like if I was a friend with a girl, I, I had. I had no problem with it, but if there's any sort of romantic anything, I couldn't. I just I'd break down. I just could not. I, I erred on the side of just not even approaching it yeah. because I I was close friends with enough um, girls in middle school and high school that like I would hear their perspective on things like that, and I was like, well, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, so I'm not even going to attempt because if if the consequences are that bad, then I'll figure it out in my own way. But, yeah, but so I never I never experienced moments like that. No, and I, I mean, hopefully I never would have ever. Exactly, um, yeah. But, but. It, it's its something, like, the, the car scene in this movie, I think, is, it's very good filmmaking. And, like, Chewie and I are watching, like, this is the most uncomfortable I've ever been watching a movie this year. Like, it's just, and I think it's because it's the longest scene in the movie. Like, it just, like, I didn't sit there with a stopwatch or anything. But yeah. I would I would bet dollars to donuts, this is the longest scene in the movie. And it just, it just keeps going and you know where it's going the second she gets out of the car yeah the second the girl's friend gets out of the car it's like this is fucked and you yeah. you know it right away and like there's hints to it in the scene in the the food court that this guy is probably not the best guy to be sitting next to but yeah yeah that that seems rough but and I, I went to um, a Q&A with Bo Burnham and Elsie Fisher one of the three times that I saw this in the theater <laughs> and, and that was something that a lot of um people in the audience had questions about was that scene because it is almost like the the scent it's like the nucleus of this movie and the nucleus of of Kayla's experience in this film and people were like 
so curious about all the thought that went into it and how like the it stops at a certain point but it still has all of this agony and shame associated with it yeah and it was elsie the actress who who was talking about it the most who was saying that like it's still trauma and it's still assault and like there doesn't oh, have yeah. to be like a body in the river for this to be like the worst thing to happen to this person at this point in her life you know and and it's it's interesting to see something like that in a movie because so often movies will just take the worst extreme of something and will say like okay well now for the most amount of drama obviously this has to go as far or as terrible as it could and that doesn't happen in this case but you you experience the 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 experience from her point of view all the same as, as yeah. something that is so scary and, ag- and the shame especially afterwards like the the if if there's anything that you know I, it's, it's it's wrong to say that like for it to stop at a certain point in the backseat of the car is merciful but like if you feel like you escaped something um, you have to sit with the shame and the bad man putting you through this experience of like I was just trying to do something for you like what you were saying earlier like this was for you and 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 you screwed it up and like you're put through this emotional um horror show oh yeah and and there's just no um escape from it like you sit with that in this film and you know it's it's all the more exciting and pleasing and crowd pleasing at the end when she's able to think about herself instead of apologizing to the man who tried to have his way with her in the back seat, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think that is really the scene that cemented this as my favorite of the year, just because it's, it's, it's doing very important and significant things, but in a way that's maybe even harder because it's not just like trying to be this, this awful sensational thing. And I think by showing that slight restraint, it made it that much better. Cause I, I can't think of a movie where no actually means no. Sure. Cause usually in movies, no is not a thing. And sure. she eventually shouts no and yeah. it stops. And this is something I that, mean, the assault stops. He yes. still berates her the whole way home. He's a horrible fuck. Yeah, right totally. Right? And this is something that happens all the time too, yeah. you know? And I think that there were probably a lot of men watching this movie that, might see more of themselves in that guy driving the car than they would agree. Because a lot of men in the Me Too movement are saying, like, well, I've never, like, assaulted a woman. I've never raped anyone. But, like, they've done something like that. Yeah. The coercion. Nine times out of ten. I, I like yeah. the way that Lady Bird did it. Because I, yeah. I, I was on that episode, and I thought the this was similar. That moment where, like, Lady Bird and Tim- Timothy's, uh, Timothy's. Their, their encounter was, was consensual, but it was coercive in that he wasn't honest with her. Yeah. And yeah. what I liked about that is that she was kind of self-possessed enough to, to yell at him and say, who's on top their first time? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which is a great line. Um, yeah. But I, I did like that they didn't go all the way with it. But it just made me sad because there is always that moment. And I feel like it always happens like around eighth grade. Maybe it's different. But where you realize you're not a person anymore, you're a girl, and that's kind of subhuman. Hmm. I I think um, it was very smart to do it the way they did because um, it's this is part – this is what happens. She, she said no honestly to this guy, and he made her feel like shit the whole way home and told her that now this is going to hurt her, not me. You're the one who's hurt by this. I was just trying to help you. So what happens next time she's in that situation? Well, she doesn't want to be a bitch. She doesn't want to look bad. She doesn't want to have to apologize again, so she does it. And then the next step is to call her a slut. And that that's how the system works. That's mm-hmm. how we do it. That's how we reduce women to that mm-hmm. point. He created a self-fulfilling cre- yeah, prophecy he, he, for her. Yeah. And and that was what was so upsetting to watch. I didn't experience this in, in, in grade school, but definitely knew guys like this in high school. I had a boyfriend who coerced me into sex. He did he did what a lot of guys do, which is that bullshit about blue balls. 
Oh, you turned me, you turned me on. You got me turned on. You got me hot and bothered by making out with me. So now you have to have sex with me. Otherwise I'm going to end up in pain because I'll get blue balls. You don't want to have blue balls, do you? That was like, so. That's what your hands for. But you don't know to say that, is it? And guys say that all the time. So now as an adult, when the name dude's like, oh, now I got blue balls. I'm like, don't fucking come at me with that shit. I don't care. You deal with that on your own. I bet you know how to masturbate. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Guys, do that shit. I'm sorry. You didn't get what you wanted. Tough shit. Yeah. Yeah. You, just, you have your evening to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, as, as a weird lowly nerd, I was like, where's the, like, go be by yourself. That's fine. Yeah, totally. Uh, so here's, <laughs> here's the There's question. There's a happy though. ending for you. <laughs> right. Give your own happy ending. Yeah. 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 Before we move love yourself quotes. before you yeah. love others. Before we move into quotes, I have one more follow up question to that scene. Um, so we both or not we both we all kind of agree this is a self-fulfilling prophecy that this guy is creating this girl do you think that what she learned throughout the movie would help her combat that moving forward or do you think that no matter the fact that she got a little bit of confidence at the end stood up to her bully do you think that was enough to keep her moving forward do you think this girl is going to keep having problems throughout high school like will she keep finding these douchebag guys these friends who aren't friends well there's a lot of bad men out there of course but she promises herself to like if you ever get a boyfriend get one who knows how to treat you yeah. And the fact that she's like verbalizing that to herself in this time capsule. I mean, certainly like, you know, we all lose our way and we forget like our own standards sometimes. But I think the fact that she can focus on that as a as a concept at such a crucial moment and such a crucial age, I think bodes really well for her. I think yeah. having her dad be a model for what a man's supposed to look like is very helpful. Yeah. You know, and him giving that speech to her yeah. and, and yeah. helping her have the confidence to like go okay yes i am valuable i am you know i am more than this was, yeah. Yeah. maybe we'll see you know, I, I guess we won't see because it's a movie but um <laughs> ninth <laughs> grade <laughs> she also had an honest to god older female friend yeah yeah by the that end chick of the was film, so cool yeah and i, think I was so happy that, for her i wanted to that. see more of her but she was really yeah, yeah. yeah. i think mm-hmm. that between that and her dad like There's i, that I <laughs> yeah i like it i i think she'll be okay Here's the thing, though. Do you think she's still friends with that with that girl? Because she's best friends with the guy who tried to assault her. I think oh, eventually sure. she'll get to the point yeah. where she'll be like, hey, just so you know, your friend's an asshole. Yeah, your and, friend's a horrible and, scumbag. And, and that also is a problem. If you hang out with that girl, you're going to be forced to see the dude who makes you uncomfortable. And yeah. then we and, and that's why like whenever people are like, you see her in pictures with that man she accused of assaulting her, and she's smiling. Yeah, she's smiling because she doesn't want everyone to know what happened, and she's pretending yeah. everything's okay. It's like, how could she smile if she's around a man who assaulted her? That just pisses me the fuck off. We were talking about this while we were setting up the room like we yeah. all have that friend who or that friend of a friend who's like kind of a piece of shit yeah and it's like i don't know like that's your beef with that person as much as that's horrible to say in the case of like sexual coercion i mean yeah we all yeah. we all just yeah. kind of like put up with pieces of shit sometimes yeah. because yeah. our friends are worth it i guess yeah. maybe well you look it at depends. every friend group as something that you so much of your identity and your life depends on it's just like there's so many people that if i didn't get to hang out with them i'd be I'd if be you mortified. speak out yeah. if you tell her about what this guy did will you then be thrown out of the friend group you know and then you lose all your existing friends and it's will she blame scary. you yeah, you don't know you? yeah so yeah yeah, there's there is a ninth grade movie in there somewhere if they wanted to make it. Why don't yeah. women come forward more? Fuck off with that shit. <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move into quotes. Quotey quote quote quotes. Um, I'm gonna go first. Uh, I have one written down, but though since it didn't really come up in the episode, I have to use it. And it's, I thought you didn't like bananas. 
Uh, the context of that is she told somebody she knows how to give blowjobs, and she clearly doesn't. She's going to test it on a banana, and her dad walks in mid-test, and she's like, I'm just eating a banana. I thought you didn't like bananas. And it's so good as she tries to eat the banana in front She gets more and more angry and frustrated, and he's more and more like, what are you upset about? What are you doing? Like, clearly you hate eating this, and then he gets a banana thrown in his face. Her reaction to that blowjob YouTube video was Oh, man. She went went straight for deep-throating. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And just, like, the way she was looking at it, it was like, yeah, no. Yes, that's that's true. Like, stop watching this. Oh, totally. If you are just learning how to give blowjobs, don't start with deep throat. Uh, um, I uh, that same scene where she said she could give him a good blowjob uh, was the code red drill, which we didn't even talk about. It's oh, like, yeah. so good. It's like yeah. Doctor like Strange sh- love level of satire. Thing. Bang, you're dead. Bang, uh, you're dead. It's crazy the kids have to go through that now. I was teaching when we first started doing that, and it was weird. Um, but uh, we didn't go out in the hallway and get shot. I don't know. You're, oh, that's you're so supposed play to like, actors, lock yeah. the door. Thanks, drama kids. Um, that's a that's a hard cut to yeah. that too. Like yeah. you go from her just lying in bed looking at like YouTube videos to like a hard cut to the next day at school. There's like a dude with a gun yeah. going, "Bang, you're dead. Bang, you're dead." That's what high school is now. And yeah, and, and they did makeup on the students too. There was one girl yeah. at the last shot of that scene with a bullet hole in her head. Oh, she yeah. She's like, "What are you staring at?" And um, she's having like a conversation, like, "What are you looking at?" But she, she's just dressed up like a when, murder victim. When they're under their desks and she has the courage to go over and talk to the dreamy boy um and then they start talking about like the code red drill and he just goes this is the moment when you realize what a massive douche he is then he goes i wouldn't be a pussy and sit under my desk this eighth grade boy. Yeah, okay, little Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. I know. I know. I was just like, oh my God. That's the, like, you kind of thought he was a douche, and then he said that, and you're like, oh, uh-huh. okay. Mm-hmm. And then he asked her for a blowjob. I, I actually thought that. that actor was fantastic, mm-hmm. though. That kid nailed that part. Hopefully, that's not just him. Yeah. <laughs> he was acting. He's an influencer. He's listening to this, like, oh, shit. Ah, <laughs> I have my number. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's not so much dialogue as the scene where the uh, they're, the eighth graders are about to shadow with the ninth graders, yeah. and the they're holding they're all holding on train style to the, the lead <laughs> teacher, and they're walking to that hallway, and that scene plays out really long, and it stands out to me because I I'm very familiar with that level of awkwardness and that interfacing with the next gap, like the next generation up, and being it being such a weird foreign like you're walking through no man's land. They walk through the high school the same way that I walked through the prison when I did a tour. Of <laughs> <laughs> Scared <laughs> straight. Except you're guaranteed to go to high school. Yeah. So. Sorry, kid. It was in that moment where I was so worried about her experience there. Because in, in my mind, like it only gets worse until you're out of school. And so it was to, for her to find that friend, it was like, oh, just like a light at the end of that really long, horrible classroom tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> it's a moment of grace. Like in this movie where so many things are so hard to endure, those yeah. little moments of like small kindness it really does feel like that when you're that age and that lonely you're just like oh my god somebody was just nice to me yeah we're gonna get married someday you know what i mean <laughs> yes. like it all becomes blown up in your head you know those moments where like you know you don't want to say it but you just can't help it like i just want you're just so nice like i, I just i need yeah. to tell you that you're just so nice and i love that the girl on the other end was totally like you could tell she was also super awkward then this yeah. girl thinks yeah. she's cool but she's also a, such a nerd yeah. so she's like no you're cool we're both cool she's like oh i have a i have one that likes me come hang out with me and my friends and then you find out she's not like a freshman she's a, she's like a, she's a junior or a senior yeah, <laughs> yeah a junior but the, like, yeah, whoa. <laughs> every aspect of like that whole sequence with the older kids, 
it's played out in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've hung out with people and watched like uh, seasons of Survivor with uh, a senior and his girlfriend, and you know they're they're doing their own thing, and I'm like, this Survivor's a great show. <laughs> Not like caring that I'm like a third wheel, or I'm just there to keep things from getting too outrageous, but like. You interface with these older kids in that way. So you've, you've been thrown. Was this like a brother or sister? You no, were no, thrown just, a, into, just, a, a, just hanging out with older kids. No, it's just you were like, I was thrown in to keep things from getting too outrageous. Were you just That's like, my read on you it, were the, back you were on the it. cock block yeah. in this scenario. Okay. Did you sit in between them? No, no, I sat off to the side where I could actually see them if I wanted to look over <laughs> my periphery. But I'm like, I don't want to see them kiss There's your face. There's so like. much to talk about in this, and we don't have time. Let's move on to the next quote. That is the most interesting story you've ever told, and I have so many questions, but... You're like the cooler at a casino. (laughs) I love it. Weirdly, I feel like I've been there as well, in retrospect. We didn't have an extra episode where we just unpacked this. Well, because, yeah, yeah, like, as a church kid, you're often just like, we can't hang out as a boy and a girl. You want to come along? And it's like, sure, okay, I need friends. (laughs) They're so so much older. They listen to Eminem and their grand dam as they drive to... Who hasn't said a quote? I haven't. Right. My favorite thing about her YouTube videos was the way that she ended them, where she was like, Gucci. Little kids just, do, like, kids just do stupid shit like that. Like, they have catchphrases yeah. yeah. that they hear, and it's like, you don't, nothing about this is yeah. Gucci. Like, what? <laughs> but it was so great because it was so consistent and, like, dumb, but in a charming way. I was going to say our sign-off today, we should all just say Gucci. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And there's the kid at the assembly who just shouts, Bron James, and everybody laughs, and it's like, God, we were all such little dickheads in eighth grade. I, used to so I, love, I love those kids who just shout off in the background, and I'm just like, I wish I'd been I was 100% one of those kids, and I would just yell the word poop. Uh, <laughs> really? Classic Jesus. Brian Are you surprised? <laughs> A classic Brian dress. Of the teacher in me is just like really fucking annoyed right now. Mm-hmm. So were the teachers then. <laughs> um, I totally already gave away my favorite quote, but when she's trying to be cool and friendly with the two cool girls and she's like, oh, I really like your shirt. Yeah, I've, I've got shirts too. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, that's, that's that in a nutshell. Yeah. Oh. Can I do an honorable mention quote? Sure, no I have wrote? one as well. So. Okay, when she's driving right into the mall with her dad, which, by the way, the dad, oh my God, at the mall, Jesus, with these <laughs> shorts. <laughs> yeah. So they're sitting in the car, and he's just being a dad, and, and, and she just goes, be quiet and drive, and like, don't look weird and sad, please. <laughs> like, don't look weird and sad. Uh, my honorable mention quote is actually a text message or an, uh, a direct message that she receives from the popular girl of, my mom told you I had to invite in my thing, so this is me doing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I also like the DM from the nerdy uh, cousin kid oh, who's yeah. like, hey, it's, and he misspells his name, and then he like very quickly like oh. sends the right name spelled correctly, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and it's yeah. me too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gab. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, just, that's right. It was Gab. Just like, hey, it's Gab, that's it was right. She's like, somebody's following me, and then she sees that it's him, and she's like, oh. I'm going to get the quote wrong, but I also love that there's a Gabe quote where he's like, uh, also, if there's one of these sauces you like more than the others, you can have mine as an extra. I appreciate all sauces equally. (laughs) Also, love their Rick and Morty bit. That was so endearing. Totally. That that led Chewy down a Rick and Morty rant of like, the Sweshon sauce ruined everything. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Sorry. This movie had different emotional reactions for everyone. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Uh, So, (laughs) Chewy's would be the Sweshon sauce. That was her trigger. Yeah. She was like, this is the most upsetting movie of the year, that fucking sauce. Uh, all right, so review system, I think, uh, if you guys couldn't guess what it's going to be, I'm surprised. It's going to be coming-of-age movies. Mm-hmm. So any and all coming-of-age movies. 
Uh, and I'm going to lead it off with Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I think it's... The main reason I'm picking that one is because it's another movie that decided to tell a formative year. This one they went from ninth grade instead of eighth grade. And it's 100% through Charlie's, quote unquote his name, uh, point of view. Like everything you see throughout that movie is how he sees it. And I think eighth grade kind of does the same thing with Kayla where almost everything you see in the movie is how she would perceive it. And I think they're both pretty good. Hmm. I'm going to say Call Me By Your Name just because that's the only one I can think of right now because I already said it like an hour <laughs> ago. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly didn't like grow up with like a, a whirlwind gay romance in the most beautiful Italian via in the world or with anything. Army Hammer, with Army people. Hammer. With Army Hammer. But like even as like a straight identifying man who grew up in the opposite of, of beautiful Italian villa in southern Illinois... Uh, <laughs> I was still like, this is actually like a really interesting, relatable coming of age story because it's just, it's sad without conflict. Like the conflict is that life is moving on and that you're going to go in a different path yeah. and you're going to be really upset about it. But like there's at no point is anybody like, oh, you're gay, throw rocks at him. Like there's internally, there's a lot of that for, yeah. for both of these characters. But like, you know, even the dad is just like, I'm the most supportive man on the face of the earth. So just be yourself. But it's still sad. And, yeah. it, and it really does also capture what I associate with, with childhood, which is just, like, long hours of nothing. Like, I just remember looking for shit to do. See, that's what that movie felt like to me. Long hours of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. Claws in. It's weird because I wrote, I wrote a note in my, in my notes that says, this movie reminds me of a lot of other movies that weren't as good, and I cannot remember what any of them were. Yeah. Um, I wish I had given myself <laughs> examples. Um, so I'm going to go, since I can't get on the internet right now, I'm going to pick the most obvious example that comes to mind, which is Lady Bird. Um, oh, of course. Because, uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I was going to get there before you because I can't remember I any other. You should have said it in right unison. Um, right. um, but yeah, for obvious reasons. I mean, there was a lot of similarities like Sam brought up and, and um, you know, the relationship with parents was, uh, was an issue, although her mom was way bitchier um in ladybird but uh you know there was a dumb boy you know it's just very very similar time period and a lot of similar issues mm-hmm. i'm gonna do the the myth of the american sleepover which was the director who did it follows he did kind of a coming of age like last day of summer kind of thing with a bunch of kids and uh this is kind of a weird connection but it also used music that wasn't fit for the kids in there and i thought it was like that was always a distracting thing for me but then like I could get by it and like, oh, I can see what this is all about. It kind of had similar vibes in terms of like coming of age and growing up in that awkwardness, but just taking a slice of each of these kids' lives as they do this like wacky sleep, not wacky, but like just this random sleepover. And uh, yeah, that's my review of it. Nice. I'm going to go with Say Anything mm. because it's mm. got a female character that I want to like who's overshadowed by douchey dude things. <laughs> by Peter Gabriel mm. in a boombox. It's still, it's like You're such like, a turn good off moment, the music. but I hate it so <laughs> it's much. So, oh, it's, it's not like, okay, that scene. Because uh, she's like so cool, and I get why he'd be enamored with her. But, but she told him just, to go away. Yeah, and it's just like, Jesus Christ. And then he ends up on wrong. the plane with her. It's like, this is not romantic. Creepy Lloyd. Creepy yeah. Lloyd in his creepy, creepy Lloyd, Lloyd coat. <laughs> just because he's cute John Cusack does not mean it's okay. Yeah. And he's like, I gave her my heart, and she gave me a pen. And it's like, she didn't have to give you shit, man. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky you got a pen. She doesn't know you a fucking thing. You were bad. Take your blue balls. You're lucky you got to play. And go masturbate. Take your blue balls and your pen and get out of here. (laughs) 
<laughs> Masturbate with your pen. No, don't. I've, well, I mean, uh, I mean you know, different strokes for different folks. There's people are doing they that. They enjoy it. Sounding, not sounding. Maybe it's for sticking up your butt. But there's safer ways of doing both of those things. Yeah, you also should not stick a pen up your butt. Get a butt plug. I don't tell people what they can't do. Kink shaming. Kink shaming. No, we just want people to be safe with their kinks. Put the pen in a condom and shove it up your butt. You're good to go. You probably, no, you should use a butt plug. That's a lot and that's, bigger than a pen. <laughs> well, Where's this it's coming meant to of come age out. story. I mean, a pen's going to get lost up there, and you're going to have to go to the emergency room. We should put yeah. that on the on Samwise. <laughs> ask questions about butt stuff. I mean, those movies are pretty gay. So. Also true. Uh, let's, do a, let's do a round of plugs, if you will. Hey, uh, Samwise is going to have a whole thing about butt stuff this week. It's, it's butt month on Samwise. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Can you do butt month? That'd be amazing. Just to have Okay, butt month. I'm definitely asking you so a question. So for, for those of you who are a little confused, Samwise is a podcast in which I answer any question in life using the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition extended editions and their special special features. You can message me oh, at butt Sam stuff. about butt stuff if, if you so choose. <laughs> I'm going to. At sam.wise.ath at gmail.com or 608-561-2755. Number one more time. 608-561-2755. Do you Perfect. answer? No. Okay. <laughs> it goes straight <laughs> that would to be awkward. If you're like, yeah. I'm... Okay, See, well, can you answer my question right now? If we, if we get the budget for it, there will be a Lord of the Rings helpline. It will be a media device. No, it takes a lot of research to answer those questions. Yeah. Those movies are long. Please yes. leave a voicemail. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, as always, listen to Venture Bros, Venture Brothers Podcast. Uh, we are just about done with season two. By the time this one comes out, I think we'll have just the two-part finale to go through. That's it for me. I'm, yeah, no, I don't. I'm going to make some new stuff to put in my Etsy shop, but it's probably not going to be up by the time this podcast goes out. So if you want to commission me to make you a costume, even though Halloween has passed, there's cons coming up. Uh, EmilyBlakesos at gmail.com, or you can check out my Etsy shop, Emily Blakesos. And I also have a website. I've got to redesign it, but EmilyBlakesos.com. Cool. Anything to play, John? Not yet, no. Eric, you have a movie rattling around in the internet? I do. A rattling around on Shudder. If you go to Shudder and look up Late Phases, I wrote a werewolf movie a few years ago. It has, um, among other things, an iron lung with a severed head and blood and all sorts of gruesome stuff. If you like Sabrina, then you'll love this gory werewolf movie. I've actually seen it. I didn't know you wrote it. Oh, you've seen Late Phases? Oh, (laughs) great. It's called Late Phases? Thanks. Yeah, you should check it out. It's good. Oh, thanks. Oh. (laughs) If only eighth grade Eric could see me now. Um, And then I also volunteer with, um, if you're in Los Angeles or around there, look up A26LA. Uh, They're a nonprofit writing center and tutoring center, and they do great things with great kids. And there's also A26 locations around the country. So see if there's one near you and go uh, teach a kid how to be a writer and make their life a little better. Awesome. Uh, I will bring today's episode. Oh, wait. We should also plug the website, athpod.com. There's articles every Wednesday and Friday by some of the fine folk around this table, and most recently from some really great special guests, including John's wife, Jandy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I really liked her. She was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun stuff. All right. So with that, we will say goodbye. Our Gucci. 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 But poop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Roger. (laughs) 